Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. 19 years ago, I had warrants for my arrest. I had bad credit. I was 137 pounds. I was green and blue. And I had nobody wanted anything to do with me. And I was broken and I was alone. And it was just, I thought life had passed me up. So if anybody's listening, it's not too late. It's not that you're a quitter. It's that you're surrendering. I got the chills right now. I'm like, this is the best ad ever. It's the definition of straight edge. And I work with people a lot. And that's been my thing that I think is keeping me sober is the service work. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. I am one of your hosts for this morning, Mr. Clive Allright, and I am joined once again back in our virtual studio by my sidekick, Angel Amy. How are you this morning, Amy? Oh, I like that. Angel Amy. (laughs) Yes, I'll take it. (laughs) I I, I love it. You know, it's a a bizarre time of year. Uh, Just before we went live, was chatting with with our guest. I'm super excited to to get started within a second but it's school holidays here it's in the middle of summer Sydney's almost turned into like a tropical rainforest one minute it's sunny then it's dark clouds and pouring with rain and everything's yep. going moldy school yeah. holidays we're juggling how's things with you Amy oh that's all I can say I'm like bring <laughs> bring back the school can't wait to get the kids back to school you know yeah. it was fun to start off with and now I'm just like oh I just expensive need expensive too. Expensive, man. And Every day need, you got to, yeah. I just you, want to get back to some normality, you know. And they're driving me mental, so yeah. Then they need a, to go. <laughs> it's a good situation to have. Anyway, let's get cracking on with our guest. Um, now, it's again with every episode, there's always like these six degrees of separation. As you know from previous episodes, I did have a spell of living in in California, which was a, which is an amazing time. And one of my colleagues um, and friends, dear friends, so, uh, when we started this project, she said to me, "You need to get in contact with this guy. I, I follow him on Instagram. Uh, he's he does some amazing work. His name's Jason Schneidman, and he is a celebrity groomer, salon owner in Venice, California, in just in LA. Um, he does some incredible. He's also the founder of a product company called California Born. Um, and I've been stalking his Instagram. He's been doing some incredible stuff with haircuts for the homeless. But one of the things that really got me when I looked at his Instagram um, profile was it says. It said under his description, I'm not a saint. I'm just an addict in recovery. And I thought, I want to talk to this guy. We want to talk to this guy. So welcome to the show. Jason, how are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure, mate. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I know it was short notice as well because uh, 
It was like one minute we had a guest. And of course, as I mentioned on the previous episode, one minute we have a guest, it's holiday time, then something comes up. And thanks for stepping up at the last minute and uh, and being with us today. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. And uh, it's better that way because I didn't have any time to think about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, tap, tap, tap. Yes. I know. I love <laughs> it. That's it. We're doing it. I love it. In fact, I've got, I've got to mention it, but I just love, I, I write, I wrote Jason this long um, message and it was like, you know, we do, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And he just texts me back. He goes, I'm in. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I love this guy. There's no, no fucking around. Let's just get this done. Yeah. Um, So obviously going back, let's go back to the start here. I'm intrigued by um, obviously this podcast is all about and mainly geared towards the hairdressing, barbering, beauty and media industry. And it's all about stories of recovery. Um, but when you said, I'm not a saint, just an addict in recovery, let's go back and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, those of well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really listened to the podcast. And when I when I saw Straight Edge, I had no idea it had to do anything with hair. I thought it was all recovery. So now I'm going to have to steal this Straight Edge <laughs> tagline because it's right in my wheelhouse. Right. Yeah. Like razor, shaving sobriety um but uh yeah so i was taught in recovery to to say yes and that's why i said i'm in instantly um but um yeah i've been doing hair forever i started cutting my friend's hair in 1984 um we were doing haircuts to i was doing haircuts on my friends to get laid and to hook up with girls. And it was working. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, I told my buddies, I'm like, dude, you got, you guys were stuck in this bubble. We, you know, I grew up in like Seal Beach, Huntington Beach area where it's a little surf town. Yep. And nice. everybody had the same like, like Macaulay Culkin or like Leonardo DiCaprio haircut. And my parents were taking me around the world. I was like seeing these guys break dancing in New York City. And I was like, we need to do this. This is next. And so I just had a Clippers and I did it. And then we all went out to like Knott's Berry Farm, Disneyland. <laughs> that's where the underage clubs were. Yeah. And we, it was working. I'll just leave it, leave it at that. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just kept doing hair and, and I was actually getting five bucks a haircut through high school and it would get me a pack of cigarettes or, you know, a dime bag or whatever it was, a weed. And, you know, I was a bad kid. And that's why I went to hair school because I hated school. And so, you know, when I graduated high school, barely, my parents were like, you need to pick a profession and we'll pay for it. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And they're like, well, why don't you do hair? You cut all your friend's hair. And this was 1988. Right. When I graduated high school and it wasn't a cool profession for dudes. Really, it was a more like it was a woman profession, mostly Mm -hmm. and a gay profession. And I was like, I am not a hairstylist. Like I'm a surfer, you know, like I'm a dude. And I I had to get over that, you Mm -hmm. know, that whole stigma of like people are going to think you're gay. Yeah. And I was I was young and impressionable and you know, I guess homophobic, I guess you could say, you know, and then I went to hair school and, um, there was all girls there and I was the only dude. And I was like, Whoa. And they were like, Whoa, how'd you do that? And I was like, Oh, come check it out. And I had girls surrounding me. I was like, yep, I found my calling. 
Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got kicked out of five schools and it took me five years to finish. It's a year program here, school, but I got kicked out of five schools because I was ditching and surfing and partying and all that stuff that we do. Yeah. 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 We have a we have a saying in England called dipping your nib in the company ink, which means you've been there. <laughs> Yeah. So how old were you when you graduated then, when you finally kind of became qualified? So um, it was five years on and off. So with hair school here in the States, you clock in, you clock out, and you get to keep your hours. Right. And uh, I remember I brought my mom as the the, uh, guinea pig to do the test five years later. So I was was like 23, and I was still doing other stuff. I was doing club promotions. I worked with – a bunch of companies we were doing nightclubs and uh you know i we were promoting uh you know sublime the band and all these other bands would play for us and djs and i was selling drugs and i was doing everything but hair and then uh you know i did that for 10 years and so i was still cutting hair right while i was in my using drugs and alcohol and my partying stage i'd always cut hair But I, my parents, I'd kind of use it as a front. They're like, so how's the hairdressing going? And I was like, cool. And I'd come back and I was doing all other shady stuff. But, um, the, what happened when I turned 30, so I, I got my license when I was 23. And then for seven more years, I lived down in San Diego and I was partying and doing all that. But what happened is the wheels fell off with drugs and alcohol for me. And it went from being social and drinking and doing cocaine to literally just locked in my room smoking crack. And I really got hooked bad on crack cocaine. Shit. And, uh, and I knew I was going to die or end up in jail. So I was like, I need to get out of San Diego. So I got in my car and drove up to Long Beach and LA area where I grew up. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go legit. I'm going to be a legitimate hairstylist. And so I ended up, uh, moving to LA and I went to meetings at that point of recovery and I met uh, Chris McMillan who did Jennifer Aniston's hair Mm. and I met him at a meeting and I was like, Hey, I want to come work for you. I heard you're the man. And he, uh, he was like, you can shampoo, but you're not cutting hair. And so I did that for a year and I was shampooing everybody we were doing. I was doing Brad Pitt, you know, and Matthew Perry and Jennifer Aniston and everybody, Madonna, everybody in Hollywood was in my shampoo oh, bowl. That's so wow. cool. And, uh, so cool. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, I've arrived. You know what I mean? I went from full blown drug addict to legitimate, like, celebrity hairstylist shampooer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, celebrity shampooer, you know? I love and, it. Uh, and so I didn't really pick up scissors for a year, but what happened was Chris would see. Uh, all the guys around meetings Mm. and I was cutting everybody's hair. So anybody that didn't have money at meetings, I'd be like, yeah, I'll cut your hair a little extra buck. And so he started seeing my haircuts. He's like, who cut your hair? And he was like, Jason, he's like, Oh, he works for me. And then what happened is some of the celebrity hairstylists at Chris's, they, they open their own salon and that's like the nature of the beast here in Beverly Hills where somebody gets big and they take clients and then they open their own spot. So they had moved and they opened up a spot and there was a chair open and Chris was like, what do you think if I give you one day? And I was like, absolutely. And I called everybody that I knew 
And they all came in. I did like 10 clients and he looked at me and he was like, wow, that was amazing. He's like, what if I give you another day? I was like, absolutely. And I hustled and I called everybody. And I was working at a little like barbershop down the street from Chris's when I wasn't working at Chris's. So he's like, what if I give you a full load? And I said, I'm in. And I canceled the other spot. I told everybody to come over. And that's where it all started. And what happened was the front desk people started to also see that I was good at men's haircutting. And I noticed that nobody ever really kind of specialized in men's haircutting over the years. There was like Vidal Sassoon that did really like, yeah. like, you know, a lines mm -hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. And then there was John Sawhog who hair was flying and Sally Hershberger that did the shag. And I was like, shoot, like, I don't like doing women's hair. Me and women don't click in that hour. It's a lot of, a lot of work, mm -hmm. all right? Blow drying and talking and then, like, ask me the same question again. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. Yeah. But, dude, we just kind of, like, what's up? And then we, like, grunt like cavemen for a little bit. <laughs> and it's, like, 15 minutes later, you're like, I love it. Thanks, bro. That's it. <laughs> Brilliant. You know? So people said you weren't. I wasn't going to be able to make money, and I told them, "Look, I'm doing a men's haircut at 100 bucks an hour or half an hour. You're doing women's at 200. I'm going to do two men. It'll be the same deal." And so I did that, and then I branded myself as the men's groomer, mm. and that's what I am on Instagram, the men's groomer. Uh, and my products that I made were called the men's groomer. But what happened is I made I have eight products now, and the products that I made were based off of all my favorite products I've been using for the 40, last 40 years. Yeah. And I would also run it by all the top hairstylists. Like, what's your favorite? What do you think of this? And so I formulated a product line that's amazing for everybody. Like I have a surf spray I have that works as a thickening spray. I have a detangler, which is amazing for the kids in the morning. Um, my paste is awesome. The, uh, the days of dirt is my number one selling product right now, which is basically when I shampoo my hair, I hate my hair yeah. and uh, because I have curly hair and, and you strip all the moisture out of your hair and it's just like frizzy and it's like flat and then there's no ringlet to it and there's no separation. So I made this product Days of Dirt and I worked hard with a formula with a chemist here and formulated it. It took me 13 formulations back and forth. And what I found about hair products is chemists make hair products, but chemists aren't hairstylists. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I go in with the chemist and the guy is cool. We bro down and he allowed me to step in and work hard together with it. So I've made a really amazing products, which are for everybody. And I had to rebrand as California born mm. because urban outfitters hit us up to get it in their stores. And I'm like, if it says the men's groomer on it, like, Amy's not picking this up and buying it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so we're California born and, um, love it. I know I got off track a little bit, but a part of the reason why I'm here is to talk about my recovery and also the work that I do on the street. And, you know, I was taught 19 years I've been sober. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll be 20 years, uh, 224.04 is my sobriety date. So next month I'll be 20 years sober. Wow. Which I think I've been sober longer than I was using. I don't know. Congratulations, Jason. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's an, that's so an, I'll shut up after this, but yeah. what I was taught is, is you got to give it away to keep it. So that's why I figured, and I was just going to meetings and helping people, but then I, my life got super full with doing haircuts. So I was like, I had this, 
burning desire, this idea when clippers got good enough, like about seven or eight years ago, cordless clippers got really good. Mm. You didn't even need a cord. Mm. And I was like, I woke up one morning and I'm like, I'm going to the beauty supply. I'm going to buy these cordless clippers. I got a backpack and I just put it on. I went out and started talking to people about recovery while I was cutting their their hair and it all started from there. And that's how you, you've seen me through the gram. Five. You know, it's, it's amazing. And congratulations on, on, um, you know, nearly 20 years, mate. That's a, that's warrior status there for sure, mate. Uh, you'd be super proud. Now, obviously Thank with you. my time in spent in California and certainly in and around Venice, uh, I know we mentioned before we came on air that it's the, it's the kind of epicenter of homelessness, isn't it really is yeah. around Santa Monica and yeah. I'm watching your and uh, looking at your Instagram. There's there's one particular guy that really moved me, and I showed it to Amy before we came on. And you cut his hair, and he talked about music and how he'd lost his phone and he didn't have music. Wow. A, that one touched you. It, That's cool. It really really moved me because he's as Amy said, he is such a good looking guy. I was like, wow, now, he is cute. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but and obviously what, even better after the haircut and the grooming. Yeah, you know, but you look at these people sometimes. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, homelessness, addiction can happen to anybody. That it does not matter. It doesn't discriminate. Let's face it. Right. Yeah. It's it, it, it. You know, and then the judgment that goes with that. Like potentially, people would walk past this guy and not even blink without actually looking up at who he is or what he what makes him tick um or how beautiful looking he was you know like none of that matters when uh, other people are looking on and judging i guess um not that being good looking should be better than anybody else well i'm trying but you know what i'm trying to say yeah no it is it's like you you make them look good they feel good and they do good and that's the that's the whole point of it. And that's what I see in a 30 minute transformation. And then it's gotten even further than that. Now I'm like, I just don't want to walk away. I, I want to offer, you know, services and resources. And that's what it's come to be now. Mm. If somebody wants it, you know, I'm, I'm there to, to offer the resources. Yeah. You know, you know what, one of the things I had privilege of was when I lived in LA was working with some, with some filmmakers. And I remember being on a shoot once at the studio in, in Venice and, one of the guys was telling me that they did a small documentary on a lot of the people that were homeless in and around Venice and, and how they became homeless. And there's a lot of addiction stories and bits and pieces, but there's also rising medical costs. People find themselves in a, in a situation where they're like, all of a sudden they're hit with $200,000. Or I remember this guy was telling me a tragic story of how this one guy had, his daughter got murdered, just, mm. um, you know, just a random act of, 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 I mean, tr tragedy, horrific, and uh, mm. he just never couldn't regain his life, and he lost, and he lost everything. One of the things I noticed with you, Jason, is you have these great conversations with the people that you're working on. Tell me a little bit about that. About so, I was just working with a guy, a friend today, who's who's working on his sobriety, and, and he was like, you know, the good thing about you is you don't pass judgment, and I've seen everything. I've been there. Um, I'm not talking down to anybody. I just, I'm just after the disease. So it's, it's interesting. There's millions and millions of people that suffer from alcoholism and addiction. And really it's, it's not the individual, it's the disease. And it's, so it's kind of a cookie cutter play on if they're, you know, struggling with drugs and alcohol, because one, if their mouth is moving, 
they're probably full of shit, you know? So it's like, show me, are you ready to go? Mm -hmm. And if you're not, we're done here. You know what I mean? Because you keep doing it your way until you're sick of doing it. But here's my number and I'll be back for another haircut. And if you're in, you're in. Now the guy with the music is a different scenario. So there was, and I'm not placing judgment, but I talked to some people that looked at that video and it seems that there might be some uh, schizophrenia or he's, his brain is firing differently based on the fact that he just wanted music. Correct. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like there was no nothing more I could really do. And at the end of the video, I'm like, we got to get you some music, bro. <laughs> like That was it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you look great and everything, but you need some music. And uh, and the reason why it just it's it's because and I don't know how it is in Sydney, but, you know, the, the whole system's fucked. You know, yeah. like here in LA. it's you know, there's not enough. There's no mental institutions anymore, really. You know, that that left in the 80s. So it left everybody on the street. And uh, there's really no resources. If if a guy really is like, dude, I'm dying and I want to go to rehab. Mm. It's it's really tough to get into these places. So, yeah, hopefully we make enough stink and and then they do something about it, especially the addiction stuff, you know, because mm. that's kind of my lane. I mean, the mental illness stuff is like it's it's really tough because. Yeah. It's like, it's just like that movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You know, mm-hmm. it's like somebody has, the taxpayers' money has to pay for somebody to sit and literally help these people on a daily basis. And that yeah. takes a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think Clive will agree. Like, we're quite fortunate here. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's obviously some faults in every system, right? In every country. But yeah. there is a lot of accessible support here in Australia um not that everybody always does access it but it is available yeah um and I think we're very fortunate in 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 that way even though there's obviously homelessness and there's still all the same kind of um addictions and issues and all of that kind of stuff but um yeah I've always kind of looked at the U.S. and thought whoo Gosh, like if yeah. you if you are sick over there, you are screwed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy. The statistics too has jumped up. I think it's up most it's been since two thousand seven. I don't know the statistics, but a friend just sent this to me the other day. It's up like twelve percent. Like wow, yeah, it's, it's it's terrifying. You know, we had we had the privilege of chatting to Eden Sassoon, Vidal's daughter, who, who lives in yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah, um, and. You know, she spoke about the disease as a disease, which really connected with me because yeah, you know, one, one, one of the first... Her brother just passed away, right? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. tragic. We interviewed her not long after. Uh, mm. Yeah. Actually when the, and we're going to get her back on, actually, because she, she's yeah. just about to hit her 12-month sobriety date um, Good. again. So uh, kudos for her to getting back yeah. into the program. But you know, what... I saw both and her brother around L.A. a lot over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's, and I think this is one of the things, right? So, uh, like with me, it really because I I struggled with the word disease when I first came. I'm I'm four and a half years clean and sober, and I was like, thank you, you know. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with it being a disease. And when Eden spoke about it being a disease, I certainly have a disease with who I am and what I am, and I feel complete. I've I've, whoops, multiple. personalities I, mm. I guess you could say and one of the hardest ones I have to uh one I have of living with is is mine you know <laughs> the one is who's me and I guess by telling our stories and this is one of the things that recovery has, has really helped me 
to sit in a meeting and share some of the deepest, darkest secrets that we, we've we've had or been through. I guess that's one of the, the benefits of when you're talking to to the homeless, right? You're you're not just coming in and, and saying, you know, can I help you? You know, the whole foundation of whether it be uh, alcoholism or drugs or any 12-step program, it's written by addicts for addicts. It's written by right. alcoholics for alcohol. It's not like some professors come out and f- worked out a formula. It's a bunch right. of addicts and alcoholics that have got together and gone, well, these are the steps that we recommend that you should follow. And Absolutely. And do you think that, that you know, obviously your time in recovery has been so um, – I mean, do you think it's definitely led you in this path, hasn't it, to, do, to be doing what oh, you're yeah. doing today, you know? and 100%. So early on, you know, that's why I feel like this is a disease or a disease. Uh, early mm. on, I felt different than my fellows. Uh, I was sensitive. I was uncomfortable. And the problem lays between my head. Okay, it's my brain. And mm-hmm. the, the, the disease of alcoholism is a selfish, self-centered disease. Okay, so it doesn't mean I'm an asshole. It means that I think about myself all the time. Okay, yeah. and it's like, yeah. oh, I wonder if this is going to be good. Oh, I wonder if I'm going to be good enough. Oh, I'm going to kill this. I'm amazing. Like it's that constant me, 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 I, I. And what happens is. From the minute I wake up, my head's a scary place. And I'm like, it'll just be a normal day. And I'll be like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this today. You know, and mm. and it's just not normal. Like my sister just kind of gets up and goes. And, you know, when she sends a text message, it's like, good morning. How are you? And then I send a text message and I'm like, hey, I need to get that hat from you. You know, and I forget yeah. to even say, <laughs> how are you? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. really, it's like, you know, the addict thinking is selfish self-centered so every day i wake up and it's like oh my god i'm not going to be good enough today or what uh how am i going to perform and then i go to the mirror and i look at myself and you're like oh your face is thin or you're not tan enough and then you start comparing yourself to somebody else and all of that stuff that i do is all self-centered and all of that stuff built up makes me uncomfortable to the point where I want to drink and use. So I recognize that I need to just swap this stuff away as this thinking comes up and it's more about actions. It's Mm. not about my thinking Mm. because my thinking sucks. So really what I do is I just, from the minute I wake up, I'm like, my head starts going. I'm like, get in the shower. I get in the shower. All of a sudden the water hits me. I'm like feeling good. Get your coffee. Like just avoid Jason. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and yeah. then um, and and basically that and the combination of being a service throughout mm. the day it's like mm. oh open a door you know ask somebody how they're doing connect somebody when they call hey I need this you're like oh I know somebody and then do a haircut on the street and take somebody to rehab by the end of the day I'm feeling pretty good and I'm like oh, I'm not so bad of a dude you know mm. and uh, it's basically just stacking up that spiritual spiritual you know, gold. Mm. So I have mm. a defense against feeling like a turd, you know, yeah. And yeah. having to turn my head off with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Can I ask then like maybe back in the day when you were younger, cause I, I only found out like two years ago that I've got ADHD, which yeah. 
uh, answered so many of my questions, you know, about myself and like my choices and like, uh, you know, there is definitely a high percentage of people with ADHD or neuro um, divergent brains that, Mm -hmm. you know, are more susceptible to addiction. And I'm, you know, I, I was drinking too much over the last few years, but my, I guess, addictive behaviors started really young. Yep. Um, and, you know, had a lot of issues with food and control. And like you said, this obsession yep. of self. Yeah. Um, did you feel like that when you were younger as well, before like substance came along? So when I was, I don't really remember early on, but I know that I started using when I was 13 and I started self-medicating with weed, but I did get diagnosed with ADHD or ADD early on. And they gave me some, uh, some Ritalin and, uh, I didn't, I didn't take that for much longer cause I just started doing cocaine. <laughs> like, yeah. 13, yeah. 15. Like, crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and what's cr- crazy is like, you know, like the, like the Ritalin does the cocaine, like I could finally just chill and that's yeah, why yeah. I liked it, you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. so, uh, but, but yeah, I think we all don't know what we're doing, you know, when we're young and, and mm. I was talking to this guy and he's like, yeah, he, he goes to therapy and they said he was depressed and now he's got 30 days and he's not depressed. And he's like, I'm done mm. going to therapy. And I was like, well, you know, this formula that I've been taught in recovery really kind of like keeps you away from therapy because like you don't have too much to talk about yourself anymore. You know, if you're doing the work, it's like you want more people to tell you what to do. Not so much listen Mm. to what I have to say, Mm. because what I have to say doesn't even really matter. It's about my actions now. So it's getting Mm. into action. It's all about getting into action and changing your behavior through your, your actions. And that's been my experience. You know what, uh, Jason, I heard something with, through one of my sponsees uh, on the weekend, which really was very thought provoking, talking about taking people's guidance. We've, we've run our own course with our own thought process and got ourselves into the situations that right. we got into. And I was talking, one, one of our previous guests spoke about the opposite to conformity is courage, which gave me lot of time to think right because i think i've I've, and i mentioned this on a previous episode i was full of courage and running things on my own race for a long long time and i said to my sponsee i said you know what i think it's time for me to actually sit down and listen to when someone says may i suggest you follow this yeah and he turned around and said to me he goes you know what clive i'm i like to think of myself as a bit of an anarchy like an anarchist yeah for sure punk anarchist right and he said the most anarchy thing i can do right now is conform right yeah (laughs) he said because that's so opposite to who i am he said if i want to if i want to be a rebel yeah right and be the biggest rebel i could be yeah then taking someone's advice and following their the course that they tell me is probably the the, you know the the, Mm. it is a good thing for me to do right and that's kind of where we all get to Mm. We, we stop thinking and we go okay May I suggest, it's not like you've got to go and do this. You have to do these steps. You have to do this. It's like, may I suggest yeah. that mm. you try meditating in the morning? Yeah. And may I suggest that you do this? And he said to somebody that's run their own race for a long time, that's surrender, right? Yeah. That's yeah. just going in and going, okay, well, 
yeah, that's the gnarliest thing I can do right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's the definition of straight edge, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Weren't all the punks like straight edge? You're like, what is that guy doing? Correct. He's not fighting. He's not doing anything. That, that's scary. Yeah. That dude. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. He's like, what is that? Yeah. Thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's scary. So you're twenty, nearly twenty years. Yeah. That's incredible. And obviously, you've got. Um, you know, your methods and your ways of like, um, keeping you alive and well, um, do you, do you find that, um, you know, that it's necessary, let's say to keep going to meetings and things like that, that as time goes on, like, is that something that you so still do? Or? That's, that's a great question. So I, I was talking to this guy this morning and, and I believe personally that it's the foundation and I laid down two years of solid two meetings a day and I had yeah. commitments and I was showing up and I was meeting people and I had fellowship and I was not isolating. And I believe mm. that the most important thing is to emerge yourself and not isolate and do the work and do mm. conform, you know, do contrary action, do what you're not used to doing, do things that are uncomfortable because that's where the growth starts from. Now, yeah. nowhere in the big book, you know, or, or in meetings, does it say that you have to go to meetings, right? Mm -hmm. The purpose of going to meetings is to be there for the new people. And I don't go to meetings. Okay. I work with people and I work with people a lot. And that's been my thing that I think is keeping me sober is the service work. And, uh, mm. you know, I'll speak at meetings every so often and I'll pick up a couple of sponsees, but, um, yeah, I haven't been, I haven't been doing tons of meetings mm -hmm. and I don't feel guilty. Mm -hmm. I guess a little bit in the fact that I feel like, well, if we're not there, how are other people going to get it? You know, but I kind of feel yeah. like the guys with two years that are still there in a year and a half, cause you know, Dr. Bob and Bill, you know, they did it like with five days of sobriety. So it's one alcoholic working with another doesn't have to be a guy with 20 yeah. years working with another. And my experience is the more we get time, the more fucked up we are anyways. <laughs> mm. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason, tell me how many, how many you, you talk about going out and you're working with yeah. your homeless. How, what does that look like on say, what do you do? Do you just say like, I'm in Venice, you've got a couple of hours where you don't have a client. Do you just hit the street with your backpack and go and cut so someone's head? Now I do events and we do them. We were doing them like, bi-monthly, monthly, and I put together events where we go, we set up a tent, and I put it up on my Instagram, and everybody hits up, hits me up, and they're like, I want to cut hair, and I'm like, you don't have to just cut hair, come and pass out stuff, and I want to bring food, or I want to I want to shoot some photos, you know, and spread the message, and I want to talk to some people, so we do that monthly, now it's kind of monthly, mm -hmm. and then uh, I drive to work, and I see people and I see the same people. So I'll just stop and I'll just call somebody and say, hey, grab my camera so we can go carry this message, you know, of recovery and help somebody. Mm -hmm. And what's great is uh, I in L.A., I know everybody in the recovery world pretty much. So it's a tight community and it's an amazing community. And uh, I know so many people that own sober livings and, and detoxes. So now people are offering me scholarships. So I actually have, you know more than just a bag of clippers. I have a bag of recovery, you know, uh, avenues. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So that's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's been the deal. Tell me about the scholarship. So what do you mean by that? So 
we started a foundation. It's called California Born Foundation. And yeah. I will, uh, over the years, we'll just put up a video and then we raise some money. And, you know, the fact that there's not resources like we talked about. Um, yeah. And I meet somebody that's sick and tired of being sick and tired like I was. Mm -hmm. And I look in their eyes and I can see the desperation. And I see mm -hmm. that they're, they're really done for that moment. You know, because a lot yeah. of these guys say they're done and they seem really, really done. And then the switch goes off, you know, uh, 60 days in. But, uh, yeah, we have money, you know, that we've raised. And um, I'll just call somebody where detox is usually uh, $25,000 or something stupid. And oh, they'll my give us, goodness. Yeah, they'll give us a 10% deal where it's 2500 And, wow. you know, we just use that money that people donate and I'll literally just take the guy off the street to detox. And then, uh, there's sober livings that are long-term structured sober livings. One like much like the one I went through. Cause that's what worked for me was the behavior modification. And I lived in a place for 13 months when I was 34 years old mm. and I had to change. I was forced to change. And they, so there's some of those houses that I know. And, uh, mm. so we'll, we'll get them into detox. And then after 30 days, detox, we'll take them over and we'll fund, uh, that month to month as best as we can. And then in about That's six amazing. months, they start working, mm. you know, cause the first amazing. six months, it's all, it's all about recovery for the, it's a full-time yeah. job First six months. Yeah. Yeah. This is what gets to me though. Right. Um, yeah. how, you know, how on earth do, does, you know, the government and other people out there think that people can actually recover if it's going to cost $25,000. Yeah. I mean, if someone's living on the street, clearly yeah. they've got no money. How on earth are they ever going to get themselves out of that awful cycle if it's $25,000? Yeah. So there's, there's Blue Cross and Blue Shield and all these different things. They're just really difficult to get in and placed in. So they're, they do offer some of these, but the, the insurance is not great you know, and it's really tough to get into rehab. And especially mm. for a guy that doesn't have anybody that's like, it'd be great if he could walk in and say, Hey, let's go, you know, but it doesn't work that way. Wow. Yeah. I, do, I don't want to make this a political yeah, right. um, <clears throat> podcast, but you know, I've seen some, some numbers flying around in yeah. recent times that, you know, the U S has just spent or has given $113 billion to Ukraine. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and UK has just done 60 billion pounds. Um, mm. which, which I think that was right. I may have that. No, I know it was 113 from the U S and this is, this is, and, and someone said, you know, for 113 billion, you could build every homeless person in the U S a house mm. and every American could have free healthcare yeah. for that Gosh, kind of money. That's Gosh. I can't years. even grasp all that, that, da that data, but I mean, I'm watching this TV show snowfall. I don't know if you guys seen it. Check it mm. out. It's about the, uh, cocaine in the eighties, how it was brought in by oh, the wow. CIA and there's three oh. stories going. It's an amazing, it's six, uh, six seasons. It's called snowfall. Wow. It's on FX on Hulu and I'm on season six right now, but it's like, you know, the crack that was, being made in South Central. And there's three stories. There's like the Ice Cube and the Easy E that are selling crack. And then there's yeah. the Mexicans in South Central that are selling. And then it's the CIA agents that are bringing in. It's a really good show. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, 
it's just crazy mm-hmm. that all this stuff comes across the border and then we're just riddled so hard in the U.S. with it. Um, fentanyl right now, it's like you guys don't even have fentanyl there, do you? No, well, it is here, but not not. It's like I mean, I, I te- yeah. I'll tell you a story that one of my um, one of my good friends, his brother lives in Canada or lived in Canada, and he went across to Seattle for a music um, uh, festival, yeah. and uh, he he's he's um, he decided to buy some cocaine yeah. for for a uh, for the festival and met some random guy, and had one line and it was fentanyl, fentanyl that killed yeah. him. Yeah, that's happening. It's happening every five minutes right now in the U.S. And it's that serious, isn't it? So literally since we've been talking 15 minutes, three people have died because of fentanyl in the U.S. It's it's crazy, right? And it's it's not just like it's not just like people that are homeless and that are having like my my sister's good friend's daughter who's like. 19 went to college her boyfriend just died from oh. snorting all by accident so yeah you wow. can't even do drugs these days you know what i mean yeah. like back in the day it was like we just had to take a bad shit because it was baby laxative mm. now you yeah. can do a line and you're dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean I've, I've heard of that yeah i've heard of it in sydney as well there was especially after covid there was some stuff coming in from uh, apparently synthetic stuff coming in from china oh and yeah it was just dropping people left, right, and centre. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, I yeah, think I think um, probably here, Clive, there's um, meth is a massive problem. So because- now you guys got the meth, okay? So yeah, we you know we our thing is meth and fentanyl, and with the meth, what's happening is it's being made in Mexico, and they they don't take the impurities out. So there was biker meth back in the day where there was integrity. Yeah. And they yeah. would take the impurities out. So what's happened with the meth here is now it's getting pushed in from Mexico. And it has these impurities that make people schizophrenic. And they hear things. And so now we got people walking around the street that are talking to themselves. And you don't see that in other parts mm. of the world. And no. I was told that by some guy that's been traveling the world. And he's like, I've been everywhere. And I don't see people talking to themselves. Yeah. Like, literally, yeah. like on the street and we we have hundreds you'll you'll pass like at least 10 every time you go somewhere wow. well my friends just went to san francisco and said that you know and i've spent of a lot course. of time in san francisco and apparently downtown is just like zombie land yeah it's really yeah. like that and it, Which it's is- like that in venice too oh, i'm so sorry to hear yeah. that you know what um it's been fascinating chatting to you mate really Thank has you. yeah really, and, and I, I i commend you with uh you know, for getting out there and doing, you know, I, and I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you this to you. I think your space where you work, your salon, mm. or salon, as you would say, yeah. is, is, I saw you were, you were looking for crew and I looked at it, I thought if I was 20 years young, I would love to work in your salon, mate. It is mm. such a creative place. That's so dope. beautiful. It's, yeah. Um, where about, whereabouts are you? If, um, so we're on Lincoln, right in between oh, yeah. Venice and Washington. And yeah, awesome. we share a building with uh, Lincoln Tattoo. And they're like the top yeah. tat, top two artists on the west side, and uh, it's a big black building. It's got white flowers on it. Is yeah. it talking of tattoos, yeah. I got all all of my tattoos were done at Ink Monkey in Venice. Are oh, they that's still across around? The street down the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, literally, so right across the street. So, yeah. Jace, um, 
is there any like advice or anything that you would like to give to our listeners? Um, you know, we've got, we're very fortunate. We've got, we're, we've got a real solid um, uh, listenership now out there. Wow. People who are really kind of like engaged in what we're doing. And we've had some incredible guests like you. Um, and and I, like Clive said, absolutely commend you. I think what you're doing and how you're living your life now is it's beautiful. Um, and the fact that you're constantly giving back to the people that really need it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say to our listeners or any leave on a real positive note? Yeah. So I was in Sydney and Melbourne last year, a movie that I was doing some press brought me there and I had such an incredible time and it's such a beautiful place. Um, you know, 19 years ago, I had warrants for my arrest. I had bad credit. I was 137 pounds. I was green and blue. And I had n- nobody wanted anything to do with me. And I was mm. walking into grocery stores and I was stealing. And I was broken and I was alone. And it was just, I thought life had passed me up. And I was 34 years old when that happened. In this last 19 years, I'm 53 years old right now. I have three kids. I got married, most beautiful wife. Um, I've bought houses. I've started businesses. And most of all, I'm just comfortable in my own skin. And every day I'm just, it's not, it doesn't take work. Like it used to Mm. stay high. It was so exhausting. So if anybody's listening, it's not too late, especially with your medical system in Sydney and in Australia, reach out to somebody, ask for help, because that's when the healing process begins. It's not that you're a quitter. It's that you're surrendering. And you know what surrendering yeah. means? Going over to the winning side. So come on over mm-hmm. to the winning side. Have a life beyond your <laughs> wildest dreams. I got the chills right now. I'm like, this is the best yeah, ad me ever. Too. Yeah. Come over to the big yeah. side. Have a life beyond yeah. your wildest dreams. <laughs> and uh, seriously, reach out for help and ask somebody and admit and accept that your life's unmanageable and that you can't do it on your own and you won't have to do it on your own. That's the best best, yeah. best advice I can give. And then you know, support you know, California you know Born. You can buy it online. And yeah. part of the proceeds Yay. goes to help get people off the streets of drugs and alcohol. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, you, a yeah. lot of the yeah. go to that. That's amazing. Yeah, and as I Love grow, awesome. like you, like, uh, like uh, not Sassoon, Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell is mm. the most yeah. amazing. They help so many different people, and they have so many different philanthropy areas. And you know, that's what I'd yeah. like to do. Is is you know, this is the second yeah. part of my life. You know, I'm 50 plus. Yeah. You know, now it's about mm. about you know su- supporting my family, and then anything extra goes to helping people. I love that. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. You know, I heard something on, on the weekend, which is really quite uh, relevant to what you just said. And that is that when you're in recovery, it's a long-term relationship. It's a long-term relationship. And like all long-term relationships, it has its ups and yeah. downs. But you work through them as where the long-term relationship with addiction mm. is just dis- destined to be a disaster. As where this shit is hard, this shit is real, but it's a long-term relationship. You're going to have days in recovery where you're going to hate the system, you're going to hate yourself, but you'll go to bed and you'll wake up and you'll feel different and you'll feel better. As where when you wake up from a a three-day bender, 
of being one whatever you feel worse yeah. as where you can you can do this in a long-term relationship and mm. as with all long-term relationships it comes you know with its challenges but you have to work through them and uh mate i think you've been a fascinating guest to have on and um you know yeah. i've just got a whole page of notes here there's so many other things i want to chat to you about but we're we're up to an an, an hour and i think you've kind of We've finished on a high there, so excuse the pun. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right? It still is a high, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank Um, you guys for taking the time. Thank you, mate. Yeah, we'll make sure that we put all your links and everything like that in the show notes and uh, on on the socials and stuff when when we put the episode out. And we'll see you guys when you come to LA. Hit me up. Sounds good. We can't wait. You've been listening to Straight Edge, the podcast, and we love that you've been listening to this episode. And we're always looking for future guests to join us on the podcast. So if you or anyone else, your friends or family have been through similar struggles with any form of addiction or recovery, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a message on our Instagram page, Straight Edge, the podcast, and we'll get right back in touch with you to have a chat. And talking of social media, if you've enjoyed this or any other of our episodes from season one or two, We kindly ask for you to please help us share the love by sharing our posts and reels with your own network of friends. And lastly, but most importantly, if you could please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This will help us improve our podcast visibility and hopefully attract more listeners from around the world. But most of all, it will attract some more exciting guests that I'm sure you, our audience, would love to hear from. So I'll finish with a big thank you from all of us here, Amy, Lou and myself, Clive, at Straight Edge, the podcast. And please stay safe and God bless.